Hello and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. I'm Anthony North. I'm here with Russ Hodges and we're here to talk all things TCU athletics and we're back at it with coming off another thrilling win over a, a top 20 opponent, top 10 opponent at home against Oklahoma State, a thriller in double overtime. Russ, your thoughts? How are you feeling? First thought tonight. Feeling good. Uh, watched the game with my folks. Just really blessed to have two consecutive weeks of really, really good football. Um, so proud to see how TCU was able to bounce back from that early deficit and uh, getting free football. You can never be too down about that. I'm sure the fans loved it too. And uh, a shout out to the students who supported the team. 6,200 students were at the game. That was a school record. Uh, Broke the record. I'm, I'm sure it was around 50,000. Uh, the stadium was rocking. I wish I was there. Uh, just an awesome feeling. And 6-0. and And the reward is a ranked opponent for the fourth week in a row. So uh, we, we keep churning. And hopefully TCU can continue to string along this what's been a, an, an unbelievable start so far. Yeah, man, the Carter was absolutely popping. Yeah, it was the the second most um, attendance since the Utah game uh, back in 09. And uh, so beat out that Oklahoma game from earlier this year. The most students at a game. Um, it was pretty great. For me, it was my, it was my birthday. So I got to be in the building Ooh. with uh, 50,000 of my closest friends on my birthday. It's a fun celebration. Got uh, a nice... <laughs> A nice parting present there with the field storming and uh, pretty pretty incredible atmosphere and incredible comeback. Just the the perseverance of this team to to go down early, another slow start, and and to just keep clawing back um, and, and keep chipping away to you know tie that game up with under two minutes left and and not have the lead at all during any of regulation and and come out with the win. So we'll jump into it. So like I said, the slow start in the first half, I was I was I was pretty concerned. I was I had gotten to that spot of like, uh-oh, I I let myself I let myself start thinking good things about this team and here we are. It's I, I'm ready to get hurt again. I, it was that kind of thing. And uh Spencer Sanders was doing good Spencer Sanders things in the in the first half, kind of finding his way out of the pocket and getting around TCU defenders that, that looked a little bit lost, a little bit slow, a little bit, I don't know, uh, uh, not quite into the game to start. And, and Sanders, that, that first touchdown where he gets backed up there, it looks like TCU's about to get a, a nice stop. Um, and he finds his way, the running back kind of runs out and Johnny Hodges just, follows the running back and doesn't leaves his back to Spencer Sanders and uh, a, a running threat like that. You can't, can't turn your back to. And, and he found a, a lane there um, from, from that end. I mean, how are you feeling that going down two touchdowns early uh, against a top 10 opponent? Were, were you nervous there? Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, tapping my foot nervously at the start of that game. And, you know, we talked on the pod last week about, uh, a key for TCU defensively coming into this game is that Spencer Sanders is capable of making some big plays with his feet. And you can't allow 
a quarterback like that to break contain. You got to force him to be a passer, which I think was a, a huge adjustment for the Frogs later in this game. But early on, it was it was really about Spencer Sanders improvising. Uh, the screen pass was really effective for the Cowboys early in the game as well. I think Dominic Richardson finished with uh, three catches for 79 yards and actually was Oklahoma State's leading receiver in the game. But, yeah, I, w- I was concerned. Um, Spencer Sanders was making plays with his legs, of course, and uh, knowing that was a big key coming in, you you wondered how the Frogs would respond. But uh, facing some adversity last week against Kansas, uh, we saw TCU be able to recover from that and uh, to see the adjustments that the Frogs made defensively uh, toward the end of the first half and throughout the second half were were really encouraging to see. And uh, it started really with stopping the run. Uh, Dominic Richardson finished with under four yards of carry. The front six deserve a, an incredible amount of credit there. And uh, TC was able to fight back, held them to only six points in the second half. Yeah, I think that's Dominic Richardson gets some love just because he does accumulate stats. Um, but but that's from a lot of just giving him the ball so much. So I, I think he's not Chuba Hubbard. He's not Jalen Warren. And, and TC was able to, even though he did get his yards and he did sneak out on some screen passes, you know, he doesn't have that. He he was not able to get that kind of uh, death blow um, to break any deep against TCU. And um, obviously we'll talk a bunch about Kansas state coming up and, and they're back who absolutely has that ability and Deuce Vaughn, you, you give him a, an inch and, and he'll take it to the house. So um, maybe, maybe tougher days ahead in the run game. Um, on the offensive side, it was it was worrisome early on how it felt like TCU was really playing conservatively, and and Dyke said as much after the game, kind of saying, you know, he thought maybe the players were a little bit tight, but also that the coaches were were coaching tight and and coaching maybe a little bit nervous, coaching a little uh, not to lose early on, and it it put the frogs in a hole. I mean, the the first couple of drives were had you know short fourth down opportunities that I think we've seen this team take that chance in the past and instead we're we're happy to concede uh possession to the Cowboys and um I think the first drive ended up three and out on what uh you know a, kind of a questionable spot from from where I was sitting. It looked like he might have gotten there, but it was a fourth and short and instead decided to punt it. And then the second drive, um, maybe like a fourth and five, but across midfield. Um, those are those are the kind of things that maybe we would have seen uh, a few years ago, but hadn't seen yet this year. So uh, a, a little bit a little bit conservative early. And I think. Oklahoma State was doing some good things to mess with the offensive rhythm. Um, the substitution shenanigans that uh, Coach Gundy and and the Cowboys were pulling there where, um, so, you know, it was clearly frustrating, Max. It was frustrating the fans in the crowd. And so for for those listening, so basically if the offense substitutes 
the defense has an opportunity to also substitute and the, the ref will hold the snap to make it so that the quarterback can't start the play until that defensive substitution is complete. Um, Oklahoma State was using that to their advantage of if TCU was subbing, Oklahoma State would take as long as possible to get off the field on their substitutions. They would kind of amble off um, slowly wandering like lost puppies <laughs> over towards the sideline. And, and, and it worked in the first half and, and Dykes really got on to the refs about it. And, and uh, I understand that from the broadcast, they, they, you know, caught him yelling at the refs pretty good. And, yep. um, <laughs> and, and Max was, was kind of yelling at the refs and it was clearly, even if, even if it was eventually going to produce some penalties, it had it had gotten into the coaching staff's head. It had gotten into the quarterback's head, and so that was an effective uh, kind of distraction from from Oklahoma State early. And uh, it was good that that TC was able to eventually get that touchdown later in that in that half and kind of break out of that. But it, it felt like a really slow start, and and it showed that they were playing a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the shenanigans, I was talking about it with my dad. And, you know, I think by the rule, there's a explicit statement that the players got to, they got to make an effort to get off the field, right? But at the same time, you know, Oklahoma State is taking their time to get off the field because TCU is subbing guys on late. You know, they're not subbing guys on with uh, 25, 30 seconds on the play clock. They're bringing guys on the field with, 15 12 seconds left on the play clock so uh getting the plays in earlier and making your substitutions immediately would would have definitely helped there and then also you know i think the coaches and players being frustrated in that moment i think was more of just them being in the heat of battle and and feeling like oklahoma state is kind of gaming them um but at the same time i think like for example max he can't be complaining to the official there i mean that's a if you're at a higher level of, of quarterback play, you got to know right away that's an opportunity to get a free play. You know, with 12 guys on the field, it's like you see it with Aaron Rodgers all the time. He sees a defense subbing off late, tells the center, snap the ball. I Grab don't it. care who we have on the field. I don't care what the play call is. Just snap the ball because you're going to get a free five, you know, at the, at the very least. So it, it was encouraging to see TCU adjust in the second half. I believe they did get – Oklahoma State called for two penalties a couple times that. yeah and and it, it was nice to see them just kind of um stay composed again the the slow start combined with that I think maybe just had the guys frazzle a little bit but you know anything you can do to win a football game if you can bend the rules just a little bit you know why not do it I'm sure most most coaches who have been around long enough like Mike Gundy has will We'll do whatever they can to, you know, try and get a little bit of a, a competitive advantage. But um, a, a good teaching point, I think, for future games and a good learning experience overall. Yeah, it worked out, and, and clearly uh, we're able to go forward from there. And yeah, like I said, got got the touchdown on um, Max Duggan keeper after he hits Quint Johnston on a kind of a post route that gets him down to the one. Um, following that. TCU defense had a quick three and out. It looked like, all right, TCU is about to get the ball near midfield. 
um, with a chance to go down and tie the game and um, very uncharacteristic play from Darius Davis. He, he fumbles the punt on uh, following that three and out. And, um, you know, I think we've given a lot of, a lot of praise to Darius Davis. He's been excellent this season. This was not his best game, perhaps maybe his worst game um, as a horn frog and several uncharacteristic things. So obviously this fumble was a, was a huge moment in the game potentially. Um, and there were, there were several plays and, and some of it is on max, but you know, where it's that, that quick hitter uh, wide receiver screen play that, um, it, he dropped or was too low or just, he wasn't really able to get anything going in this, in this particular game. And, um, you know, it's, it, maybe it speaks to the depth of, of skill talent that TCU has on, on this team that you have a guy of the quality of Darius Davis to have his off game and you still come out on top and still the, the offense is able to do what it did all day. Um, was good to see, but, uh, a, a tough day from Darius Davis. Yeah, I think you could tell he was trying. I think he was just trying to do a little too much. And, and you could see from the start that uh, Oklahoma State on special teams did a, a really nice job in kick coverage. You saw Darius try to take the ball out of the end zone a couple times and, and not even get to the 20. Uh, he did have a nice punt return, I believe, later in the game uh, of about 25 yards or so. But uh, I also felt like Oklahoma State defensively came out with a, a game plan of stopping the short passing game that has worked really well for, for TCU this season. A lot of the quick screens and, and quick uh, stop routes and slants that Max Duggan has connected on early in games to get into a rhythm, uh, Oklahoma State was taking those away. Um, some of those I felt like, you know, Max grounded a couple of those throws because his feet weren't set. He was rushing everything, but uh, I want to say Darius Davis, his first four or five receptions went for under 10 yards combined. So uh, the Cowboys deserve some credit, I think, for, for keying in on that and trying to take him out of the game, not only on the offensive side, but also on special teams. But the, the combination of uh, running the ball with Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato and feeding the beast, uh, feeding Quentin Johnston, that's been a, a pretty successful formula. I think TCU comes out and they want to try and play with pace and spread the ball around and get the quick passing game going to get Max in a rhythm. And if that doesn't work, feed number one. And, and I think that's uh, what kind of happened down the stretch with, with Quentin Johnston. And I think he's just showing right now that it doesn't really matter who's covering him. Um, another awesome game, eight catches, 180 yards and a touchdown. The offensive line was really getting off the football in the second half. Kenry Miller uh, making things very difficult for, for Cowboy defenders to, to tackle him. I was on Twitter reading a, a tweet that Dean Straka put out about uh, what it's like to be on the field hearing opponents uh, cussing to themselves and being frustrated about having to tackle Kenray Miller because it looks like a very difficult task to, to try and tackle a 220-pound uh, running back with that great of balance. Um, but but getting back to Darius Davis, you know he's he's an experienced player. This is a game that 
you flush down the toilet, you move on to the next one. You're still having a really good season, and you have, like like you said, the, the complement of skill talent that TCU has, if one guy is faltering, another guy picks the slack up. So that was really nice to see from, from TCU in this game. Yeah, definitely. And, and another piece of the game in the first half that was not – indicative or we hadn't seen from TCU yet in 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 their performances this season is uh an inability to kind of close drives um in the first half so there at, at the end of the first half TCU got three straight possessions inside the 30 um good scoring opportunities these are these are chances you have to convert and and out of those three opportunities only came away with six total points, two field goals and a a fourth down conversion attempt that was um not very good. Uh I guess I think that was Darius Davis again on the run. I don't it know. Was, it was a yeah. it was an attempted trick play, reverse. I think Sam Jackson was on the field. Um you know, I, I think the offense had been working pretty well and and there was certainly a trick play later in the game that ended up working out well for the frogs, but um, it didn't seem like the bag of tricks was necessary at that point. You know, I think that the TCU offense could have lined up and maybe had a good chance to pick that up just straight away. But um, in any case, only six points on three opportunities at inside the 30 is, is not what you want there. And, and I guess the, the silver lining out of that is Griffin Kell was, was excellent um, on Saturday. I mean, he, it's, it's the kind of thing that um, even that last touchdown to, to come within one before the, the extra point um a lot of a lot of places in in college football, uh, the kicker gets nervous there, and it and it gets a shank, and and you miss it wide right by you know ten yards, and um, it, he kicks it into the showgirls or something. So, uh, you know, I I think it can't be overlooked that he he was able to to perform um, when given these opportunities, and you know we. We don't like to see him out there kicking field goals. We'd rather see him out there kicking extra points. But, um, you know, being able to get some points on those drives was critical. And, and so big-time props to, to the kicker. I know kickers need our players, too. They need to, they need to get their love. And, and uh, he, had a, he had a great game. So, so big ups to him. Anything else on the first half? No, I think, uh, you know, just touching on Griffin Kell, I mean, both kickers were – were excellent in this game. Tanner Brown was perfect. Yes, and yeah. Hitting a, a 52-yarder in, in double overtime, which was, I believe, his career long. He hadn't... Uh, I don't think he had even attempted a kick over 50 yards. If he did, maybe he missed one. But th- that was a huge kick, and, and Griffin Kell was perfect on the day. And I think that's just that's what you want to see and what you should see when high-level football is being played. When you have number eight versus number... Uh, 13 was TCU 13 in this game. Yeah, okay, 13. Yeah. Uh, so in, in a game like that, it's coming down to the wire. Um, you, you see players perform in all three phases, and and it was really cool to see both kickers and, and even both punters, honestly, uh, playing really well. And you know, you, you talk about that 
uh, play to Darius Davis. I think in that scenario, it, that was actually a uh, a slow substitution scenario for for Oklahoma State, and Max was trying to rush and get the playoff to to maybe. It, it try felt to like a time for a timeout there. It was like yeah, just, I, I was about to say I'm not sure if we had timeouts in that moment or not, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, considering the way the game had been going for Darius Davis up to that point, I didn't love the call. It looked like maybe for a moment the play was there, though. But then, you know, the Cowboys close, and you give them got to give them credit there. But, um, you know, getting six points. The the biggest key obviously was coming out in the second half with Oklahoma State getting the ball. You got to get a stop, you know, right away. And even if it meant holding them to three in a game where can you can score quickly in college football, especially in Big 12 football. So uh, I believe it was the Cowboys' opening drive of the second half. They they were able to get it down the field. I want to say there was a long screen pass on that drive, but they had they settled for three. Um, and we've seen that from TCU's defense this season. Just the It's the cliche, you know, bend, don't break. Uh, TCU's defense bent in different scenarios in this game, but they didn't break. They held them to three when they had to. Um, they, they forced Spencer Sanders to be a passer. And Brennan Presley is a really good player. He was largely a non-factor in this game. He was nothing. Yeah, he got. He was basically shut out. Yeah, yeah. He, he did not have a good game. And the, the touchdown pass that Sanders hit through to John Paul Richardson, that was really good coverage, too. That was just... Uh, Newton great, was on him. He was all great, over. Great yeah, defense and even greater offense there. But the the coverage by TCU in this game was really really good. They they gave they they took away the deep threat for Oklahoma State throughout most of the game. Um, Josh Newton had a, had an awesome game. Bud Clark had an awesome game. Stepping up in the fourth quarter had an interception on a ball where. You know, if Spencer Sanders puts that on the money, that could be a touchdown, but Bud Clark deserves a lot of credit for his recovery on that route to, to get in front of it and position his body to, to get the interception. And um, we talked about the defensive line last week and how the the pass rush has been kind of non-existent and what Joe Gillespie, the defensive coordinator, can do to try and generate some kind of a pass rush that doesn't just involve blitzing guys. Um, I thought the stunts were really creative in this game, especially in the second half. And you started seeing, you started seeing TCU get home rushing three guys. I mean, we talked about Dylan Horton last week and how he's kind of been a largely a non-factor this season. He's playing a new position and a new system, but you saw him getting through on a couple on a couple plays, hurrying the quarterback, they they kept contain. The linebackers uh, didn't over-pursue. Jamoy Hodge, I thought, had a really nice performance in the second half and really for the game, making some key stops. And uh, just really good, positive momentum for the, for the defense as a whole uh, now as you get ready for Kansas State, where I think the, the key will be kind of similar. We'll talk about Kansas State in a little bit, but uh was really, really encouraging to see how TCU responded defensively in that in that second half. Yeah, the the TCU defense it's it's pretty incredible. So 
the final 40 minutes of game time. So with, with 10 minutes left in the second quarter, Sanders hits John Paul Richardson on that, uh, Richardson, John Paul uh, on that play over Newton into the end zone. And that's, that's the last touchdown that the Cowboys score in regulation. Um, that is, that is a lot of game time to hold an offense uh of that caliber and and with that experienced quarterback um to no touchdowns so extremely impressive work from from all levels of the defense uh yeah i mean the the front did a great job containing and and slowing um the running game and yeah newton and and clark in particular having excellent games and and you know through through the off season, um, Spencer Sanders was one that, you know, I, I kind of had fun with of like, you know, it, I didn't think, I didn't think very highly of Spencer Sanders. And I think he's well outperformed what, what my low expectations were, but, you know, coming out of that big 12 title game where, uh, last season where he was quite bad, um, you know, it's a live by the Spencer Sanders, die by the Spencer Sanders, and 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 he he will have great plays in a game, and and it'll be some boneheaded play that is just why why did that happen? Why did we go there? And um, you know, I I it ended up not you know really hurting the Cowboys in the end, um, the the interception there, but. I think on most of those drives towards the end of the game where they the Cowboys had plenty of opportunities to close this out. You know, they pick up a few first downs, they burn some clock, um they hold on to the ball and don't throw that interception. They should be coming away with that win. And um you know, I, I think the number of three and outs that TCU was able to get and forcing Sanders into bad plays and then yeah collapsing that pocket and making him try to scramble and then when he did having nowhere to go um so yeah just I don't think there's there's enough that can be said about how great that the TCU defense played there um through the last 40 minutes of game time and and really really all through the overtime I mean the second overtime they pushed him back like 15 yards I mean it was a they didn't gain a single yard on that um, second overtime drive. So um, let's see. Let's let's talk about the the game tying touchdown drive. So TCU gets the ball back. Uh, the the Oklahoma State punter pins TCU down inside the ten. So here we are. TCU under like five minutes to play uh, has to go ninety yards to to tie the game to keep the season alive. Um, and just kept the composure and did everything well. I mean, Max on that, that drive was Max did everything great. Uh, Kendra Miller had like an incredible catch on a, on a screen where he had to kind of jump up and, and snag one that a lot of times that's like, ah, oh, man, Max overthrew the guy. And now we're, and, and that picked up big yards, um, had, had Quentin Johnston going a couple uh, uh, first down pass to to Jared Wiley and then the the trickeration kind of funky play to Wiley for the touchdown. So uh, 
not really seeing replays of this other than like Wiley getting in. I guess there was some sort of reverse motion action that had the Oklahoma State front fooled enough that they were all standing right there in front of Max, but didn't tackle him. I don't know. It was a very weird situation. And then Jared Wiley was just standing wide open and, and was able to dive into the end zone. Um, what do you think about that play there? Obviously, super exciting play. Yeah, but... I think the the play, I had to go back and, and watch it a couple times, too, because I was – at first glance, it looked like – and I think this is what it was. is They, they were lined up like they were going to run a read option, but uh, Max was lined up as the running back, and whoever was in the game at running back at the time, I don't remember if it was DiMercato or – or Miller was took the snap, gave the ball to Max, and then Max flipped it out to to Jared Wiley for the touchdown. So I think there was – I did a double take, too. I was I was confused. I'm, they, they scored on the play. Listen, and there's, I'm like, I feel like there was somebody coming around. Yeah. I think there was somebody coming around behind Max, too. Like maybe he was going to pitch it back because everybody just kind of stopped. Yeah. Like they had no I, idea I think, where the ball was or where it was going to go. Yeah, I think I think Oklahoma State was a little confused and it was it was nice that Max put some touch on that throw as well because Jared Wiley was wide open. Why they reviewed the call, I don't know. Um it, it, I was having I, I was worried cuz it's right there in that same spot was, of the Max yep, was in. I, I literally was just about to say Jared was in. <laughs> like come on guys, there's yeah. no need to be looking at this this long, but Oh, uh, it's right it was like the same blade of grass yeah. that was that was the Max was in. But you know that drive um one thing that and this is kind of a little thing, but I think it's honestly something that Max can really uh build on for future games is he threw a check down to Kendra Miller. And he picked up a lot of yards off of it. I think there were several plays, several dropbacks in this game where he had Kenray Miller wide open on just a, just a check down underneath where he can pick up maybe 8 to 10 yards and even a first down. And Max just wouldn't look his way. You know, he, he's looking downfield, wants to make the throw down the field, pick up the yardage in the first down. But the the internal clock has got to be running a little bit. You know, you drop back one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. Now you gotta you gotta start looking for your check down, or you gotta tuck the ball and run. You, you can't, even though even though TCU's offensive line has been tremendous throughout the season, any good offensive line is not gonna hold a pocket for five seconds. You know, four, five, six seconds. So I really would like to see. Max check the down, check the ball down a little bit more often, or even tuck it and run it. But it was nice to see him on that drive make a smart, make a smart play. He he got the ball to Kenray Miller and he picks up a lot of yards. Uh, Quentin Johnston again was a big playmaker on that drive. And you know I watched the Chicago Bulls and it's a Stacy King thing to say: is big time players make big time plays. So in that drive you have Duggan, Johnston, Miller all making notable plays. And then Jared Wiley on the, before the touchdown, he had a really nice grab on a, on a crossing route over the middle using all of that six, seven to, to go up and get yeah. that ball. And, and he's really someone, I think he's been used in the, in the red zone a little bit this year. What a weapon that is to have. I mean, when you have, we've talked about it before, when you have a receiver on one side, who's six, four Quentin Johnson, you have one receiver, on the other side, who's 6'5", Savion Williams, 
and then you can roll a tight end over the middle who's six seven. Uh, good luck if you're in a it's tough. Second yeah, it's tough. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, so sends it to overtime, and actually, there's still like two minutes left, and both teams had a chance at a drive to to go win it in regulation. Um, Oklahoma State wasn't able to do anything, gives the ball back to TCU. TCU ends up not able to do anything. We go to overtime. Um, and right away, Frogs have the ball. It's it's Max and QJ. It's a touchdown. It's, it's money all day. Um, and that's great. Uh, TCU defense sets up a big fourth and long. The place is going crazy. It's ready to explode. Everybody's ready to pour out onto the field. And they pick up that first down and then and then score to go to the, the second overtime. And we talked about the the defensive stop in second overtime and and the big kick from from Oklahoma State to keep it interesting. And <clears throat> I think uh you know, maybe unheralded play in the game is it, because we all re- will remember Kendra Miller going into the end zone for the win, but the play before that Max, um, well, I guess not the play before, but the the play before the play the that play that Max, <laughs> yeah, the play before the play before Max gets the ball down to the one yard line on just like a kind of he pinballs off guys that he's just a bowling ball and he can't go down and he's he's all heart and grit and he. <laughs> I, I I really wish he would have gotten in because that would have been just a like a classic walk off play, um, and you know a few plays earlier he's kind of like holding his shoulder and it's clear like man this is a this is a physical game and he's been through this battle and and to take that run down to the one yard line and of course Miller takes it in and it's pandemonium and um, just. Just a thrilling win. TCU gets a, a win over a top ten team at home, uh, and and now in the top ten itself. Uh, big days ahead. I don't know how. What was what was your you know being in the building and I'm, I'm I I have to be somewhat contained, but it was it was just electric. Mm. Watch, watching the broadcast, how how was the feeling? Yeah, uh, both, both, of, my parents, both of my parents got big hugs after the game, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I was really excited. I, I was, you know, I'm really happy for Kendra Miller because, and we put a little piece up uh, earlier this week, he's he's a player that you know came in as a three-star prospect, was I think the third running back on the depth chart as a freshman behind Darwin Barlow, who was a four-star running back, and Zach Evans, who was a five-star, and it's kind of Barlow and Evans to start the the season, and Zach Evans kind of supplants Barlow, and then comes back, and he's the he's the big-time uh, running back, and a lot of people are talking about him, and, and we know Zach Evans is a really really good football player, but Kenray Miller, as a freshman, as a sophomore, was super super efficient whenever he touched the ball. Uh, it didn't matter what point of the game he came in. And for for him to come in this year with no Zach Evans, new coach, new staff and everything, um, and, and not only be the number one guy, but perform at a high level. He finished with 104 yards, two touchdowns in this game. He's uh, statistically 
a top five running back in the Big 12 in multiple categories. Um, just just a really cool thing to see for, for a guy who um, I remember reading reports out of camp in, in 2020 about how Kenry Miller was this uh, this diamond in the rough, you know, like a guy that came in and really started turning some heads and is, is just showing that. I mean, he's got so many tools in, in his tool bag. I mean, he's a big physical running back, but he runs with really good balance and his yards after contact. I would really like to look up what his yards after contact are this season, because I'm sure they're among, among the top running backs in college football. Yeah. Or, or runs for negative yards. I mean, I, I, anytime anybody gets to him in the backfield, he makes a miss. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how he does it. He, he put a couple in the spin cycle in this game. He, he's got little, little juke moves to get past guys. Um, yeah, it, it feels like even if, uh, you know, the defenders are getting to him, he's able to make something out of the play, something that maybe is a loss of two turns into a gain of two or a gain of four. And, and that's, those are, those are huge moments in games. And, um, yeah. And yeah, we've, we've talked about it. It just has to be a nightmare to see him coming to you. You have no idea if he's going to be running through you and, and stomping on you on his way to the end zone, or if he's going to to set his foot and cut past you, or if he's going to spin around you. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know how you approach him as a defender. It's, it, it's a, it's a tough proposition and it's, it's great that, uh, He's running with the frogs. Yep, it's we're not out there. We're doing the podcast, and it's probably better for <laughs> yeah. us for that reason. That is, yeah, most definitely. All right, so uh, that closes it for the recap on the win. Um, just to close out some other things around the Big Twelve from last week um, to kind of set where things are going forward for the frogs. So uh, West Virginia beat Baylor on a Thursday night game. Uh, in in Morgantown, tricky tricky spot there for Baylor, and um, ends up Blake Shapen goes down injured, and um, Drones looked pretty good in this game, and and thought that he he really did some things well, but um, West Virginia gets that win and, and puts Baylor with two conference losses now. Um, then Oklahoma defeats Kansas 52 to 42. Oklahoma looked more like Oklahoma again. Dylan Gabriel was back. Jalen Daniels was not back for Kansas. Um, and that showed on the scoreboard. And then, uh, right before the, the TCU game or as the TCU game was getting started, the, uh, Texas Longhorns took down Iowa state 24 to 21 controversial ending. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of talk around in, in in the media group of like, oh man, what's this, this Texas? Come on, what is this? Uh, but I, you know, I I don't know, I don't know. It's a tough call there. Fumble, no fumble, targeting, no targeting there on Hunter Deckers at the end. Uh, really, it came down to if Xavier Hutchinson, this their star receiver, just makes a catch, they win the game. Uh, it's, it's tough scenes uh, there. Yeah, things uh, you hate to see that. Like that is, yeah. it's, it's Iowa state now being Owen four, I believe in the conference and all four losses coming by a combined 16 points. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't think you can get kicked Brutal. in the groin more times than that. And, uh, Xavier Hutchinson is arguably the best wide receiver in, in the big 12. I mean, he's a tremendous player and for him to drop 
that ball. And that's, I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that. You see high level high school players make that grab and just, I don't think he'll have a, a drop like that maybe for the rest of his career, but that's, that's kind of how it's gone for, for Iowa state so far. I mean, Jay Gilbert, the kicker misses three field goals in, in the Kansas game, um, bounces back against, uh, Kansas state, but they, and they can't get into double digit scoring wise. It's, it's one thing or another, it seems. And, and I'm a bear, I'm a Chicago bears fan. And, I joke with my friends and family a lot about how the Bears invent ways to lose football games more than any other team in the NFL. It's kind of like Iowa State's inventing new ways to lose. I hope it turns around soon. I think they're due. Uh, maybe it'll be the next game coming up. But uh, like you said, just a, a tough scene for, for the Cyclones. All right. So moving forward to to Week 8. Uh, TCU's seventh game of the season. Number 17, Kansas State, coming to Fort Worth, Texas, Amon G. Carter Stadium. Saturday night, finally got that primetime game, 7 p.m., be broadcast on FS1, thanks to uh, Major League Baseball playoffs occupying uh, mainline Fox. But um, huge game here, and it's it's so exciting to have a night game it'll be a blackout so it'll th- there'll be so many comparisons to that 2014 game against Kansas State that was the blackout game um where the the two teams were ranked in the top 10 going up against each other um that was a super exciting game to to attend and TCU came away with the win in that one uh different coaches on both sides of the field obviously different players different Different landscape of things, but um, really looking forward to this game. This is going to be super exciting. Russ, what are your initial thoughts looking forward to Saturday? Yeah, I think it's going to be another really good game. And and I think, frankly, Iowa State being uh, a recent opponent for for K-State, it's going to be really good teaching tape for TCU's defense because Iowa State runs a similar uh, base defense with a 3-3-5 and um, the key I think is really going to be similar to what it was for the Oklahoma state game in that you have a even more dynamic runner in Adrian Martinez, who is going to have design runs for him. He can break contain easily. He's very elusive and it's going to be even more paramount. Like it was to, uh, contain Spencer Sanders and keep him in the pocket uh, Adrian Martinez, you got to make him, uh, throw the football. If he, if they win the game by throwing two touchdown passes to Phillip Brooks and so be it. Um, this is a really good rushing football team with Deuce Vaughn, who's one of the best running backs in the big 12, if not all college football, Adrian Martinez has a lot of positive uh, momentum rolling right now, but Iowa state did a really nice job. Uh, they held Deuce Vaughn to, I believe, 23 yards on 10 carries, which mm. is uh, not many teams have done that to, to Deuce Vaughn. So um, I'm sure the coaches in the film room, film room for TCU are looking at that, that football game closely and seeing how they can emulate some of those uh, similar concepts. But it's going to be a huge challenge for the for the front six, and it's going to be a front six, unfortunately, without Marcel Brooks. Uh, Sonny Dyke said on Tuesday that uh, Marcel Brooks, he went down with a, a knee injury against Oklahoma State. 
he's got to have surgery and it's likely season ending. And it's a really unfortunate injury for, at a really inopportune time because TCU's already had its bye week. Uh, they're going to they're gonna play six consecutive games against six really quality football teams. And it, it really seemed like Marcel was finally getting into his role. You know, he, he's a five-star prospect, started his career at LSU, transfers to TCU, changes positions. He was a wide receiver last year, now changes back to linebacker under a new coach, a new scheme, and was playing real well in camp suffers a rib injury, misses about a month or so, finally gets back healthy, had a couple of nice plays against Kansas, including a key tackle late in the game, made some nice plays in the Oklahoma State game, and now you're you're without him likely for the rest of the season. And uh, this is a linebacking core that already lost Thomas Armstrong to a torn ACL in the game against Colorado. So uh, they're, they're – wasn't a whole lot of depth at linebacker to start the season. And now you're down two guys for the rest of the year. And with Marcel, you're going to lose a lot of athleticism on the outside. And so uh, it becomes real crucial. Yeah, his speed and his reach and, and his ability to get to the spot definitely would have been uh, something you would like to have when you're trying to slow down Deuce Fawn and Adrian Martinez here. Yeah, exactly. It's a, a real inopportune time but it's a it's going to be an opportunity for some other players to step up uh Wyatt Harris is a senior he's played a little bit uh these last few years Zach Marchiselli is a redshirt junior uh maybe Shad Banks gets a little bit more run a former four-star player but uh yeah it's this is a K-State team that I'm guessing is probably going to run the ball at least 35 to 40 times in this game so uh be ready for a, a real physical uh, football game and, and these linebackers even like Johnny Hodges who's a little banged up I think he uh, did something to his shoulder against Kansas he was banged up in the Oklahoma State game not sure what his status is for this weekend but um, the first huge test for TCU's run defense in that front six yeah absolutely and we were talking about it a little before we uh, started recording here but I, I'm It'll be interesting to see how Gillespie and the coaching staff decides how to kind of fill the hole, whether it will be kind of backfilling with, with some of the, the linebacker depth that is it's limited depth and, and it you know doesn't go very deep at all, um, or if, if we'll look to walk forward some of the, the safeties um, that are now starting to get a little bit more healthy and a lot of playtime under their belts that that maybe you you bring Mark Perry's been uh, pretty excellent in in his run stopping uh, work thus far this season. Maybe walk him up and and uh, you know I, I don't know if he's lives as a linebacker, but I think he can he can step into at least some of that space and and fill the role. Um, let Kamara and and Bud Clark and and Miller Bradford kind of work that the safety position behind and maybe Perry uh, steps up in, into kind of maybe like covering the slot, you know, guys crossing over the middle, he covers that space, but then also is, is certainly capable of 
stepping into the run hole and and stopping something that in, in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you go back to uh, the days of of Gary Patterson and having kind of those hybrid safety linebacker types and how those those kinds of players with great speed uh, were really successful in, in that four two five. So uh, Mark Perry has has been a, a sure tackler for TCU. I, I want to say he's. I think he leads the secondary in, in tackles right now. So, um, yeah, he's second only to Johnny Hodges uh, for the season so far in tackles. Right. Yeah, so I, I could definitely see uh, bringing another guy up to the up to the linebacker, or even just maybe uh, have him be a, have him line up a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, K State's going to be designing a lot of different run plays, and got it. Got to have sure tackling in this game. That, that's for sure. You, I thought TCU tackled uh, much better in, in the Oklahoma State game as opposed to the Kansas game. So being able to, to wrap up near the line of scrimmage is definitely going to be a, a huge key in this game. Yeah, and on for, for TCU on the offensive side, I think the the offensive line has done a great job and, and uh, Max Duggan has done a great job of avoiding sacks and getting rid of the ball for the most part this season. Um, but this will be by far the, the, the greatest challenge to that, uh, to that unit thus far on the season. Um, you know, Kansas has a strong defensive front. Oklahoma is a strong defensive front. Oklahoma state has a very strong defensive front, but, uh, none of them have Felix Anudike Uzoma. Hopefully I said that close to correctly, but you know the guy I'm talking about. Felix on the defensive line for Kansas State is an absolute nightmare out there for for offensive linemen. He had four sacks against the Horn Frogs last season. Um, he's leading the Big Twelve in sacks this season with six and a half. Um, he, he's he's a he will just ruin your night. So it, it will be. Very interesting to see how the the TCU offensive line and, and play calling and and everything addresses keeping him contained uh, from from causing havoc in the backfield and and allowing the rest of that defensive front uh, for the Wildcats kind of run wild. I think um, I, I don't know what the right answer is on on how to attack. Uh, this Kansas State defense, I think that there will be some of that that screenplay, dump it over top of them. There will be uh, kind of some some run action at him um, that I that I think just kind of get get those guys off balance and and take the take the ball up the field. And of course, TCU still has Quentin Johnston on the outside. Still has. Um, all of that, the rest of the skill talent um, to take advantage if if given the opportunity, but can definitely see this Kansas State defense um, doing more to cause problems to Max in the offensive line than maybe we've seen thus far this season. Yeah, I think two things that TCU does well that in general I think neutralize a pass rush or a good pass rusher are number one running the football, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if if TCU comes out right away and tries to run the ball quite a bit, uh, and also the quick passing game, uh, getting the ball out quickly to Darius Davis or Tay Barber, 
using screen passes. Um, that that those are two ways where you can you can take a pass rusher out of the game because you're not uh, allowing that player an opportunity to uh, disrupt a clean pocket. Um, if one of those two things or both of those things don't happen, I'm really curious to see if Max can take that step in, in his, I guess, his development. I know he's a senior, but we've talked about how he likes to sit in the pocket, uh, let the plays develop down the field, and keep his eyes down the field if, you know, the the, the internal clock is, is still spinning. And for a, for a TCU offensive line where Brandon Coleman is settling into left tackle, Andrew Coker has a lot of experience at right tackle, uh, it's going to be a huge test for them, but it's also going to be a, a test for Max just to, uh, if he's got a elite pass rusher on his blind side, is he going to have the pocket awareness to step up and check it down to his running back or tuck the ball and run, or is he going to take a lot of sacks? Because we've seen Duggan over the last couple of years uh, get sacked a lot against against Kansas State, and uh I think it's good to have that experience to learn from. And I'm really intrigued to see how uh, he fares against this defense and an elite pass rusher for the first time. So with that, let's start thinking about how we see this game play out. At at this point, TCU is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, with a a low total, lowest total for the Frogs on the season, total of 54. Um, There's been some weather prediction that that even though it's going to be warm, that maybe it'll be windy. So uh, allegedly that's playing into what's going on with the line totals here. Um, I don't know that I buy it so much, but if that's what's, what's causing it, then I'm not too worried. But I'm a little bit worried that this game opened like six or six and a half uh, TCU favorites, and and there's been a lot of uh, momentum towards the Wildcats here uh, in the betting marketplace. Um, not that it's something they know, but that seems to be part of the the analysis. Is that all right? If it's too windy, TCU is more of a throwing team than than Kansas State is, and it really impacts the, the TCU offense more than it would Kansas State, and Kansas State will just be able to run uh, all day over TCU. Again, not sure how much I buy that, but um, on this game, this one, my predict prediction, I'm going to stick with the same exact prediction that I had in the preseason on this one, um, a TCU win 31-30. to 30. So... We're going over that total. I, I could definitely see Deuce Vaughn is is going to get his in this game. There's there's no way around it. And and I keep going back to that 2014 game where TCU ran away with that game, but Tyler Lockett was a certified superstar, and he played like a superstar in that game. Um, he was excellent. So I, I can definitely see Deuce Vaughn getting stuff going. Um Maybe Martinez doesn't get as loose as he got against like Oklahoma, uh, some of the games earlier this year. Um, but in some way, TCU sneaks out with a one-point victory for a fourth straight top twenty victory uh, for the Frogs. 
Well, you know, I'm picking TCU to cover the spread again, and I'm picking TCU to win again. I think uh, Kansas State is going to, given how much they run the football, I think this is going to be a, a time of possession battle. And I think it's going to be a low scoring. I don't think the total 54 is going to get passed up, but I think uh, TCU is going to stay perfect. I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm picking the Frogs every week. It is going to be TCU 24-20. to 20. That's my final total. Uh, I think Griffin Kell is going to make a big kick somewhere in that game. And I think both defenses are going are gonna to play well. Uh, Frogs are going to win another close one and continue uh, another uh, – add on, add on another uh, infinity stone to the gauntlet with these ranked wins. That's 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 right. Um, all right. Hopefully, hopefully one of those is the way it shakes out. Go frogs! Go win win that game on Saturday. Um, so, being that we are uh, officially at the halfway point of TCU season, having played six games uh, with six to go, are ask the fans this week, and we'll hit through them pretty fast here. But um, we're asking what uh what you guys all thought were the superlatives through six games who are the offensive defensive mvps our top newcoming uh transfer and the play of the season thus far so um russ who's your offensive mvp through the season other than max duggan because i think we can all kind of agree duggan is the guy he's he's carrying the team in, in a way that he, he's he's a leader and he's the man and we all love Max Duggan and he's the offensive MVP and he's going to be making a Heisman run and yeehaw giddy up here we go other than Max who's your offensive MVP I wish I could make this a co-offensive MVP award but I'm not going to be that cheesy um I think it's Kendra Miller uh, I, I know Quentin Johnston has had two really, really awesome games in recent weeks. Eight catches for 180 against Oklahoma State, uh, 206 yards the week before that. But uh, TCU passing the ball first few weeks of the season, it was spreading the wealth. Everyone was getting a little bit of love. It seemed like every game it was 12, 13 guys catching the ball at least. But Kenry Miller has just been so consistent throughout the season with his touches, with his production, um, the, the ability to shed tacklers and turn one yard into six and turn a negative play into a positive play. I think what he does for TCU's offense is so underrated because TCU has all kinds of pass-catching talent, but if you can't run the football well, Teams are just going to play zone coverage all day, rush three guys all day. It's going to make things a lot more difficult to throw the ball. It starts really, I think, with running the football. And because Kenry Miller has had such a great start, non-quarterback-wise, I think he's he's got to be your MVP because he's been as sure-handed as sure-handed gets. And I think things are only going to continue to, to go up from here. He's averaging over six yards a carry. He's shown he can catch passes out of the backfield too. He's a, I believe he's a true three down running back. And if he continues to develop the way he has over these first, you know, two and a half years of his career, could hear his name called on Sunday at some point. 
he'll get a look in the NFL, I think. Yeah, at this pace for sure. And um, just to give a little love to to Darius Davis, I know we bagged on him a little bit earlier, and he had a tough game here against Oklahoma State. But um, he's he's been the guy that has had that spark moment that has gotten everything going. So you know, Colorado game, he has the kick, the punt return touchdown. Um, he has the big long, uh, super fast run against SMU. He has the the you know twinkle toes on the sideline, keeps him in bounds, and runs down for the long touchdown against Kansas. Um, you know, I think I think he deserves a little bit of at least just acknowledgement, and then uh, the offensive line as well. I think it's it's hard for you know Max can't be doing what he's doing, and Kendrick can't be doing what he's doing without uh, the offensive line giving him enough time and space to to make it work so and really just the the huge leaps and bounds that have been made from last season um shout out to them as well all right defensive mvp what's your call here i think it's josh newton i think the way he has come in as a transfer and the, the the transfer portal acquisitions as a whole for tcu have paid off big time i mean whether it's mark perry Josh Newton, Alana Lee, Jared Wiley. I mean, TCU has had transfers all over the place producing so far this year. But I think for Josh Newton, it's not just the way he's played and having the pass breakups and making huge plays. But, I mean, you saw episode one of Funky, of the the docuseries that TCU is doing. Carter Boys. Carter Boys. I was about to say Funky Town Boys. Uh, <laughs> Carter Boys. You, you can tell this is a a player who has already taken on a leadership role with this team. And I think that's really cool to see uh, for someone who's just coming in. Uh, You have guys who've been here for two, three, four years already. Uh, When you see a player come in like that with those kinds of leadership intangibles, I think it does a lot for your defense. Um, And defense is all about effort. It's all about heart. And I think Josh Newton has, He's he's you could argue he's he's the number two corner for TCU, but he's playing like a number one corner right now. So I, I think he's been a a huge part of of TCU's success on on defense. So I gotta I gotta go with Josh Newton. Fig. Fig Newton. Yeah. I love it, man. He's he's such a, a fun player to root for and and yeah, he's he's on the other side from Hodges Tomlinson. But when you've got that second guy who is playing at the level that Newton is playing, it makes it very difficult for offenses to to get going through the air because Tom Tomlinson has been strong as well. And I think, you know, he hasn't had like the big highlight plays, but part of that is he's just been a rock. He he doesn't miss tackles. He uh, you know, he's he's with receivers even if even if those guys are making plays on the ball he's there stopping them for for no extra yardage so you know then having Newton on the other side where yeah he's getting peppered with targets and and is just taking care of his business on the other side and and he did get mossed a little bit on that touchdown against Oklahoma State but he was in the right spot and and there's just sometimes there's nothing you could do when it's a it's a great play like that um you know the other two I had on the on the list there were Kamara, who's just been the the walking hit stick, and D Winters, who you know maybe didn't have a great game against Oklahoma State either, 
but he he's been he's been pretty excellent out there as well uh you know he's he's out there leading in sacks he's leading in all of these things for for the frogs where he makes a lot of things happen he's kind of the he stirs the drink out there for the defense and and you know good to give him some love too but i i'm kind of with you that that it's newton which makes the next question maybe uh a little bit too easy but um best incoming transfer like you said it's been uh it was a uh, an absolute haul from uh the new coaching staff in the off season to to bring these guys in so uh johnny hodges came in from navy he's leading the team in tackles um Tymon Mitchell from Georgia is third on the team in sacks and is is uh, doing a great job clogging things up in the middle. Josh Newton, <laughs> yeah, in 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 the blog on this one, my my description for Josh Newton was just got that dog in him. Yep. Um, Mark Perry from Colorado, second on the team in tackles and, and doing everything in the run game. Maybe maybe not as strong in the pass game this season thus far but but uh we'll see how that continues alana lee from smu is uh anchoring that offensive line that we've talked about and then uh jared wiley came in from texas and is a literal giant and 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 making plays out there and and yeah i think this one is pretty clearly newton but uh, i think you can make some cases for some other guys yeah i you know what i think Honestly, you can make a case for Alana Lee being the top transfer, mainly because, you know, we, we have a, a coaching staff that's coming over from SMU. Garrett Riley's the offensive coordinator. When you have a, a center who is the quarterback of the offensive line, right? Um, Steve Avila was a first-team all-Big 12 center last year. He's kicked over to left guard, so Alana Lee can come in and play center. I mean, that... I think says a lot about a player's value when you have someone who's already a high level interior lineman, who's going to change a position for a guy who's coming in. And Ali has a lot of experience. And I think having a player with that kind of familiarity with the offense and the system makes the transition so much easier for the quarterback, for the skill players and everyone else on the offensive line. And, you know, frankly, this is an offensive line that has kind of sucked over the last few years. Um, but having yeah. Ali come in, and I think there were questions, What is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play center? Because he's played a lot of different positions throughout his career. To, to come in and play center, that by default makes you better at left guard. Because now Steve Avila is there. He's a first-team all-Big 12 caliber guy. Um, so not only you know, solidifying one position, but another position. And then you're just kind of filling in the pieces. You get Wes Harris back. Uh, he, he, he slides in at right guard. Andrew Coker's back as a redshirt junior playing right tackle. And the, the puzzle has seemingly come together this year for the offensive line. And uh, I think Alana Lee was kind of the, you know, the first piece of that puzzle and kind of the, the bridge between, uh, the new coaching staff and this this roster. So I think there's definitely a case for him. Very underrated uh, acquisition, I think, by the Frogs. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it about Steve Avila. So uh, I think just to give him some love generally, he's not a transfer, so it's not on this question, but just he 
right. He moves to a new position, learning a new position, new offense, um, all of that. And here, halfway through the season, he's on the ESPN All-American team um, <clears throat> at the season's halfway point. Um, really impressive from him to to step into that role and and still be a leader, still be you know performing on the field even at at a new position. So that's great. Um, the last question here was the play of the season uh, through six games. So we've got the Darius Davis breaking the land speed record on an 80 yard touchdown at SMU max, uh, sprinting past all of the super slow Oklahoma defenders, Quentin Johnson's game winner against Kansas and Jared Wiley's touchdown game tying touchdown against Oklahoma state. What you got? I'm going to go with Quentin Johnson against Kansas because I feel like that was the first time this season where TCU was kind of against the ropes. And again, big time players make big time plays. TCU needed a play in that situation. <laughs> that was Quentin a play. Johnson makes a huge play. Um, and I think too, just seeing how this season has gone, um, TCU winning that game at Kansas, I, I think, you know, beating Oklahoma to stay unbeaten was, you know, we're, we're starting to maybe whisper a little bit about this season potentially being special. I think beating Kansas on the road when they're ranked and it's a college game day atmosphere and they're unbeaten. Uh, I think that's, that, that's really the win for me. And Oklahoma state is an unbelievable win too, but uh, Kansas is kind of the win where we really start to talk about what kind of season yeah. this being on the road, national stage too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a huge moment. Mm-hmm. No question. I think that's probably the right answer. I'm partial to the max run just because I don't know. It's max and it was awesome. And he, he makes a couple OU defenders just look very, very silly. And that's fun. Um, all right. We're running long here, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. So, We'll go ahead and look ahead at, at the week in the Big 12. So Kansas is at Baylor. Baylor's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, that's a lot of points for the Baylor Bears coming off of a loss. But I'm kind of inclined to, I, I don't know, something Kansas may, may be falling off here a little bit. I'm taking the Bears to, to win it 10 points or more, actually. I'm going to roll with Kansas here just because I really don't want Kansas to spoil all this momentum that they've generated. And it's tough without Jalen Daniels, but I mean, Jason Bean threw for four touchdown passes for the second consecutive game against Oklahoma. Kansas is running the ball. Well, Um, I think Vegas just doesn't like Kansas. I'm partially convinced of that. Um, But, but both of these teams really, need a bounce back win. Um, but I, I want to take Kansas. All right. And then, uh, West Virginia, Texas tech tech's favored by six and a half. Uh, and it it looks like there's actually whispers that this is going to be a three quarterback game for Texas tech. Um, Tyler Shuck may be back. Uh, and then you got Baron Morton has, was looking good against Oklahoma state and then Donovan Smith as well. So, I don't know. I think uh, I think Tech is a, a better team than West Virginia, even though 
the Mountaineers have have a lot of talent. Um, again, I'm taking the favorite to to cover that six and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take Texas Tech as well, just because I think you know Donovan Smith has racked up a lot of yards this year, but Baron Morton looked really, really good in the early going of that game against Oklahoma State, and I feel like Tech has the offense where. You know, you put whoever's in at quarterback is gonna is gonna rack up a lot of yards. They throw a lot of passes. Um, I'd like to see Tech run the ball a little bit more. I think they're kind of one dimensional right now offensively, but it's they've racked up yards and they've racked up points. So, uh, when in doubt, air it out. I'm I'll go with Texas Tech. And finally, uh, the other big one in the conference, Texas. A road favorite in Stillwater against the Cowboys. Uh, Texas is a six and a half point favorite. Uh, this is probably too much respect for Texas. I think Oklahoma State can and probably should win this game and should certainly cover. Um, give me the Cowboys. It's, it pains me a little bit to say this, but I'm going to pick Texas mainly because mm. Quinn Ewers is healthy. He looked good. Um, if Oklahoma state struggles as much as they did in the second half against TCU's defense, uh, Texas, I think is just as capable, if not perhaps maybe a little bit more, um, Cowboys are going to need a bounce back win. I'm sure that crowd's going to be, going to be excellent. I, I do agree that six and a half is very generous. I thought it would be more like maybe one or two. Um, but I think this will be a, a, a tight one. I got a, I just, I feel like Texas is starting to get a lot of momentum rolling. I'm going to take the Longhorns. All right. We should be in store for another super exciting week of football. Um, we'll just close it out with a, a, a few quick other things. So TCU soccer, um, also was victorious over Oklahoma state in a, in a really big game. Um, they won three to nothing in Stillwater and are tied with Texas Tech for second in the conference, uh, just two points behind Texas. So uh, still a lot to go there. Three games left. Um, they play two on the road uh, Thursday and Sunday this week. And then next week is the regular season finale next Thursday, the 27th back in Garvey Rosenthal. So hopefully all you fans come out there. It'll be a good time. Go send off that team, their last regular season game there at home before the Big 12 tournament. Um, Also, a peephole for basketball came out, and TCU earned its highest ever preseason ranking at number 14. The expectations are off the charts for this team. Um, You know, Mike Miles, we talked about it being that the – Big 12 player of the year preseason. A um, lot of excitement around Horn Frog basketball and, and a lot of high expectations to live up to. And it's pretty incredible. And Ludacris is coming and to town. Don't forget about that. Ludacris, Ludo, we're going to roll out. <laughs> Got Kesha on campus performing in the Commons. And now Ludacris is coming. We're partying like it's 2010 in Fort Worth. I love it. This is, it's bringing me to glory days. I, <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. So uh, exciting times all around TCU and, and certainly 
uh, out at Amon G. Carter Stadium on Saturday night. It's going to be absolute scenes. Uh, you know, wear black. Oh man, the promo photos with with Quentin Johnston in in the all blacks. It's whew, I, it's exciting. Uh, it's going to be a great day. Um, hopefully, the frogs can can keep it rolling. Um, and that's. That's all we got for tonight, and really appreciate all you guys, everyone listening, and following us on Twitter at Frogs of War. Uh, follow everything we're we're doing out at the at the blog frogsofwar.com. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Um, join us for the game thread during the game, or or uh, on the Twitter thread during the games. It's a fun time, you know. Chop it up, and uh, you know. Vent your frustrations as it's happening and, and celebrate together as, as exciting stuff's happening. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening, and, and go Frogs. Go Frogs. Keep this thing rolling.